The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Kakenya and Taiya was growing up in a Maasai community in rural Kenya. It was rare for girls like her to go to school beyond seventh grade. So much has changed now. Growing up, there was like, like it wasn't girls would go to school beyond primary school. That was like unheard of. My best friend got married when we were in sixth grade. A lot of my other friends got married when they were in seventh grade. And by the time we were in eighth grade, there was only two girls. The boys used to tell us, what are you still doing in this class? Kakenya stayed in school because her mother pushed her to. And she eventually got a scholarship to study at a university in the U.S. She now runs her own NGO, Kakenya's Dream, that helps girls in her community stay in school and delay marriage into adulthood. Because of organizations like hers, and a push from advocacy groups and the Kenyan government, girls' enrollment in secondary school has shut up. In the last 25 years, the rates of girls completing secondary school there have doubled, according to data from the World Bank. That increases their earning potential and the quality of their lives and their children's lives. The country is well off when the women are taken care of. And that woman starts from that little girl who you need to support, who you need to protect, whom you need to guide. Then the pandemic hit shutting down schools and programs like Kakenya's dream. Kakenya feared that the lockdowns would threaten all that progress. For the first time, the girls were sent home and to stay for a very long time without even knowing when they would come back. There was good reason to worry. Eight years ago, when schools closed for months at a time during the Ebola crisis in West Africa, girls there got off track. And one of the main culprits was a spike in teen pregnancy rates, which made it hard for many of them to finish school. When young girls have kids, that has all sorts of knock-on effects. They're less likely to find financial stability, and their children are less likely to complete their schooling, too. In March 2020, it looked like Kenya was headed down that path. They went back to the homes that were not prepared to have girls, especially for us, we had girls who were in high school or in college. Yet there was one small but crucial thing that could potentially give someone like Kenya some hope. During the Ebola crisis, researchers found that those who had participated in community-based programs, like Kenya's Dream, that were focused on empowerment and sexual health before things shut down, they were less likely to get pregnant during lockdown and more likely to return to school when restrictions were lifted. The pandemic would almost certainly set girls in Kenya back. But is it possible, because of people like Kakenya, that they could recover just as quickly? 
Jobless claims coming in, I mean, really jumping from the week before. Pretty brutal, 3.2 uh, million. A record 6.6 .6 million Americans filed for unemployment last week. Indian working women were the worst impacted by the pandemic. We believe that we are impacting one girl, one family, one village, one country at a time. Well, now to the billionaire boom. According to Bloomberg, super yacht charters are up over 340%. And a billionaire was created every 26 hours during this pandemic. No, I'm not waiting in line for a COVID test with the public. Gross. It is time for a wealth tax in America. Welcome back to The Paycheck. I'm Rebecca Greenfield. One of the good news stories in the recent history of wealth inequality is that globally, the gap between the richest and the poorest has been closing. There are a few reasons for that, but a big one that has pulled millions out of poverty has been the push in developing nations to educate young girls. In 1998, only half of the world's girls were enrolled in school. But within two decades, that proportion has risen to two-thirds. In many countries, the education gap between girls and boys has closed entirely. The benefits have been many. A girl born today will live on average eight years longer than one born 25 years ago. Women with a secondary education are more likely to delay marriage and plan their family and less likely to be stuck in an abusive relationship and poverty. The pandemic, unfortunately, has been a setback. Reaching gender parity, according to the World Economic Forum, has been set back by a generation. They said it would be take about 100 years before the pandemic to reach gender parity. Now it's a generation on from that. It's about 135 years. That's Nabil Ahmed, a strategist at Oxfam International, a global poverty nonprofit. Well, we've seen women in many countries face also this second pandemic of increased gender-based violence, of this mountain of care work, as ever the shock absorbers really of crisis. One place that has been hit particularly hard is Kenya. Because of its high poverty rate and fragile healthcare system, the country had one of the harshest responses to the virus. Schools were closed through January 2021. There were curfews, travel bans, and area-specific lockdowns. That helped keep infection rates low, but it resulted in greater food insecurity, more domestic violence, and high unemployment. In some ways, girls have felt it the hardest. Earlier this year, journalist Jill Filipovich published a troubling story in Bloomberg Businessweek magazine. She profiled girls who had big dreams, but they were struggling with new realities filled with more violence, hunger, poverty, and sometimes new babies of their own to care for. But the stories of their lives didn't end there. With COVID restrictions lifting and the global economy inching its way to recovery, we asked her to return to Kenya's capital, Nairobi, to see how some of those girls were faring now. Here she is with the story. Meet Esther, an 18-year-old girl living in Nairobi. She had dreams of becoming a newscaster, and before the pandemic, she was on track. She was in Form 1, the equivalent of ninth grade, and if she graduated in three years as planned, she would have been the first girl in her family to finish secondary school. We've changed Esther's name here to protect her privacy. I want to become one day like Victoria Rubadiri, like so many uncles. Like I feel so good when they are representing, especially when they're talking in English. Like I admire that. Like I want to make someone that can give other people inspiration. 
tell them that I was like this and I have walked through this darkest time, heaviest time, and still today I'm strong and I'm able to love. Then the COVID lockdowns in March 2020 left Esther stuck at home and out of school in a small, crowded house in what can be a tough neighborhood. Esther's mother had never been particularly stable, but the pandemic pushed her stress levels to new highs, and she began badly abusing her daughter. It wasn't so good for me and my mom at home. Sometimes we didn't understand each other. We had quarrels over small things. My mom chased me away. She would send me away off, like, get out of my sight. So it was like... I was trying to look for a safety place where I can be. Esther's mom eventually kicked her out of the house. At night, Esther would sleep in a nearby forest or meet up with her boyfriend. By the time Esther realized she was pregnant, she was several months along. Her boyfriend was unsupportive, denying the baby was his. He left Esther alone to carry and raise their child, who she gave birth to in November 2020. I'm just tired. Every time I would just go on crying, crying, crying. Like, I don't have anything to do with my life. I feel I just want to die. Esther is far from an outlier. The UNFPA, the United Nations Family Planning Arm, found that a lack of access to contraceptives in low- and middle-income countries during the pandemic resulted in 1.4 million unintended pregnancies. While pregnancies were already high among girls in Kenya, even before the pandemic, they shot up for girls who were in secondary school when COVID hit. Compared to girls who sat for their final exams in 2019, those who were supposed to complete their schooling in 2020 were twice as likely to become pregnant and three times as likely to drop out of school entirely. But Esther also had a stroke of luck. She lives in Kibera, a large and vibrant low-income neighborhood in Nairobi. And down the road from her house is Project Alimu. Project Alimu is a well-regarded ballet school. Its cracked concrete walls are painted in bright colors and hold up an uneven tin roof. Inside, it's a festival of noise. The music shifts from classical to Afrobeats. Kids shriek and cackle. Girls flounce around in leggings and tutus. Esther isn't a dancer, but at Project Alimu, she found a little help from Michael. I'm Michael Amaya. I'm the founder of Project Alimu, which is an after-school program based here in Kibra. So my main work is I teach dance, but also I do a lot of mentorship and psychosocial support to lots and lots of children in Kibra. Michael plays a big role in his Kibera community. Project Alimu trains dozens of dancers. And here, students have a safe space away from the stressors at home. When they come to Project Alimu, they can get something to eat, girls can find sanitary pads, and children who come here have the chance to play, to be kids, and to hear that they're important. During the early days of the pandemic, Project Alimu had to shut down. Its funding also dried up as donors redirected their money to COVID relief. With COVID, it, it, it was so big because the problem was the schools had uh, all shut down and a lot of support that all these girls get comes from their schooling. And a lot of peer education, a lot of psychosocial support, a lot of food, for instance, and then also just a place that they would just be girls. 
In Kenya, schools are where most low-income kids get their most consistent meal of the day. Most households lack internet access, making online learning close to impossible. And when schools closed, kids were thrust into difficult living situations with parents who were out of work and highly stressed. You know, when there's less money in a household, and I also saw it growing up in my own family, when there's less money and there's high demand of food, there's stress. And when there's stress, it leads to violence because we don't have other ways of handling our stress if it's not violence. And so there was a lot of domestic violence cases. There was also a lot of sexual abuse in young girls. Many teenage girls, like Esther, found attention, food, and financial support from adult men. But few of them had learned much about sexual health and pregnancy prevention, not to mention sexual consent. And many of these relationships were fundamentally imbalanced, between adolescent girls who needed basics like sanitary pads, a few dollars for food and shelter, and adult men who could make sex the price tag. So when the girls grew, they never got that parental support from their parents because their parents were also young adults at that time when they were born. So they never got enough time to learn about, for instance, sexual education to get to understand how to keep themselves safe. So you'd find girls were tricked into having boyfriends at a very early age because then the boyfriends would provide. And majority of them, they see their moms also stuck into relationships that are very toxic. So some of the girls got pregnant, unluckily. But we were able to find a way in uh, supporting them. Esther found refuge in Project Alimu. Mike supported me from the time when I was five months pregnant. He told me, it is not the end. You have big rocks, you have big mountains, and you are a human being. People do make mistakes, but it is the same time you have understand yourself and you want to be given another chance to go back to school. And you're not afraid because I'm here to mentor you. I'm here to tell you you need to study. When you don't have to be the same that you are, you don't need to be tricked by boys again. You need to understand no matter how hard the situation is, you need to focus. You don't need to fight with people to make them understand you. Yes, I don't need to fight with my mom to understand me because it is my mistake and I need to correct my mistake by myself. No one should judge me by my mistake because they don't know my goodness. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Like Michael, Florence McGeary works with adolescents in an informal Nairobi settlement. Along with some friends, she founded the organization LES, Lead, Educate, and Succeed, which provides local adolescent girls with information about sexual health, pushes them to assert themselves, and encourages them to dream big for their futures. Since Corona had to strike like the whole country, not only in Kenya, we saw that it's nice to have a discussion with young people because there was high rate of uh, pregnancy in Kenya because of the idleness of the young people. 
I sat in on a session Florence and her fellow educators held with some two dozen girls about sexual health. Florence says parents are grateful for her classes because kids aren't always comfortable talking to them about sex. And parents aren't always comfortable talking to their kids about sex either. They are not going to school and older people are taking advantage of them of their naivety, and then, you know, there was scarcity of food, the parents were not working. So it was like kind of chaos, but quiet chaos. Now, schools and community programs are open again, but many adults don't have their jobs back or are badly in debt, which means they can't afford to pay the school fees that are a fixture in many African countries and were a barrier to education even before the pandemic. There are so many families could not afford. And the good thing is that the government was like, no, you need to open up the school for every kid to come. That was the case for Evelyn, who I met last year and then caught up with again on my recent trip to Kenya. Evelyn lost her job in March 2020 and still hasn't returned to a formal workplace, although she does small jobs around her neighborhood to make ends meet. When COVID hit, shutdowns closed school for her two kids, 10-year-old Blessing, and 6-year-old Miguel. Evelyn did her best to teach them at home, going over the alphabet with Miguel, and quizzing Blessing on her English. When schools finally reopened in January 2021, though, Evelyn still wasn't back to work and didn't have the money to pay for her kids to re-enroll. She takes home roughly 900 Kenyan shillings a week, which amounts to less than 8 U.S. dollars. Not enough to cover school fees. It felt bad since I didn't have that cash to take them back to school. Luckily, the schools let her kids come back, even though Evelyn was still in arrears. Back in school, Blessing is excelling. She had the highest marks in her class this term. Evelyn, who dropped out of high school after getting pregnant, wants her daughter to go farther than she did. Maybe, Evelyn says, Blessing will be a doctor someday. You know, for me, I didn't reach that level. I gave birth when I was in form two. So for my kids, I want them to to go higher than me so that they can have a better future. For blessing, she's a bright girl, so I can't afford to mess with her life. And for girls who end up pregnant, school fees aren't the only hurdle. Even though Kenyan law entitles teenage mothers to an education, there's still a tremendous stigma attached to youth pregnancy. A girl's parents may decide not to pay for her schooling. She may not have anyone to watch her child while she learns. And even if she overcomes those challenges and gets into a classroom, she may face bullying by her peers and even her teachers. Some schools are not fully embracing girls who've given birth. There's a lot of stigma when you go back to school as a young mother, they always talk of people who just went out to have sex and came back with babies. Instead of designing the school to be a safe space for these girls, it became a place that they did not uh, feel comfortable. The result is that girls who enter into motherhood early are subject to the whims of the adults around them and are often only able to complete their schooling if they're very lucky and if they have someone with a little power advocating for them. It gets so hard for them. So they want out sometimes, but we try to encourage them as much as we can to have them just back in school. We decided to redesign our approach 
whereby if you were unlucky and you got pregnant, we still embrace you as one of us. And we were able to find help for them. We find a way of getting proper medical support. And then also using the network within our parents because we have parents who, how do you call them? Community health volunteers. And they're very good with uh, prenatal care. And after you've given birth, they will help you. After being out for a year, Esther is finally back in school and hoping to graduate in 2024. After that, she says she wants to start her own business so she can provide for herself and her son. For me, I see lights. I see like I'm going to that moon that I wanted. For now, I feel so good because I have Mike's support and he told me to go back to school. I feel so proud because it is like I'm making a step. Like I want to become that person that I wanted to become in life. Make the society know that I don't need to prove them wrong. I need to prove myself wrong that no matter what they did to me, still I'm able to raise my son on my own and do a better job that can make my family get out of this, this place. Because it's not a good place for all of us. This is a crucial moment, not just for women and girls, but for the well-being of entire nations. National economies will grow or shrink depending on women's ability to get an education, work, and plan their families. Next week on The Paycheck, we head to a part of the world that's on uptick in marriage during the pandemic. But it wasn't all joyful celebrations. Girls objected. Many of the girls, they didn't want to get married. But when we tried to stop, even the community people, they said, why you people are stopping? Let it happen. Thanks for listening to The Paycheck. If you like our show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe. This episode was hosted by me, Rebecca Greenfield, and reported by Jill Filipovich. It was edited by Danielle Balbi, with help from Francesca Levy, Janet Paskin, Rakshita Saluja, and me. We also had editing help from Shelley Banjo, Kristen V. Brown, Jill DeCarli, Nicole Flato, Alyssa McDonald, and Kai Schultz. This episode was produced by Jilda DeCarli and sound engineered by Matt Keim. Our original music is by Leo Sidron. Special thanks to Magnus Henriksen, Margaret Sutherland, Stacey Wong, and Aisha Diallo. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. See you next week. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.